Welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we celebrate the triumphs of people who have overcome their own life's challenges and made our world better. People who have taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host. Thank you for joining me. Ruth, welcome to the Lemonade Stand. I'm super excited to get to know you more. So start out by telling me three things about yourself. Hi, I am uh, Dr. Ruth Gotian. I am so excited to be here. Um, three things. I am an educator of adults who want to be successful. I am the author of the book, The Success Factor. And I, uh, fun fact, how about a fun fact? Two fun facts. I was 43 years old when I started my doctorate. And I read 70 to 100 books a year. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> okay, those are those are great fun facts. I love that. Oh my goodness. How do you even find the time to read that much? That's amazing. Good for I, you. I, I don't binge watch TV and I oh. don't I don't go down the social media rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. You have a book with you at all times. So all the time. That is all the time. Great. Even online at Costco. Wow. What a great example. I love that. That's great. So you've got to tell me if you're teaching about success, where did this come from? There's got to be a lemon to lemonade story that you've got to tell me about first. Take me back. There's so many ways I think I was really destined to do this. To start with, I always thought that success, and I mean, big success, I always thought that was for other people. And I always thought you had to grow up a certain way, go to certain types of schools, work in certain places. And I quickly realized that, I mean, that plays a part, but you can go to all those places and not have that big success as well, which means the opposite must be true as well. You could go to different types of school, have a different type of upbringing, work in different types of places and have that success. But so really what happened was I used to run a program for what's called MD-PhD students, students who get both a dual MD and PhD degree simultaneously. And this is a seven to eight year program um, funded by the government. These are the best of the best, three and a half percent acceptance rate. And I started looking at the way these people are learning and studying and asking questions and their curiosity. And I just got swept in. And then I realized I was working a lot of the faculty were these enormous high achievers and many Nobel prize winners. And then I realized they're just like the rest of us. So that's when I sort of really became obsessed with success. How do we make more of those kinds of people? Because everyone's talking about retention, and everyone's talking about the leaky pipeline and people leaving the workforce. And I said, wait a minute, people, I think we're looking at the wrong side of this. How do we get more of the really successful people who are so good that they'll more than make up for anybody who's leaving? I want to make more of those people because I had since learned that the high achievers are 400% more productive than an average employee. So I, I was no longer shooting for average. I was shooting for way above average. And how do we get more people like that and raise the bar? So at the age of 43, went back to school, took a deep dive into success, 
studied the most successful physician scientists of our generation. And I found four things and I was curious if those four things appeared in other extreme high achievers. So I started interviewing astronauts and Fortune 500 CEOs and Olympic champions. And I quickly realized that an astronaut is just like an Olympian. And if that's the case, then that means success can be learned. And if success can be learned, I can teach it. And here we are. I love it. <laughs> and how long did it take you to finish school? You said you started at 43. How many years did you have to go to school? So I actually worked really, really, really fast because I was um, I was determined. So I went fall semester, spring semester, and both summer semesters. Um, and I finished um, second fastest in Columbia history, we think, first fastest in um, for a part-time student. So it took me three and a half years. Wow. There you go. See, so you're using it. your own things that you're learning to be able to accomplish your things that you want to do too. It's That's amazing. why I know it works. That's why when I when I coach people on their their passion audit and a goal audit and developing mentoring teams, I have I have studied this. I have lived through it. I have practiced it on myself. It was my own guinea pig. That's why I know it works. Amazing. That's why I'm so excited to share it. That's why I wrote the book. Yep, I love it. I, I was surrounded by them and I noticed that they were thinking very differently. And whenever we had challenges in other areas, I knew how to fix it, but I didn't know why that was the right answer. So for example, I tell people when they don't quite understand this example I'm, I'm trying to share, I say, imagine you're going to a doctor because something's wrong and they give you the antibiotics. And they know the antibiotic will work, but they don't know how the antibiotic works. I would find that very frustrating. I needed to know the why. I needed to know why we were so focused on people leaving instead of focusing on getting more people to be successful. Because I figured if we can do that, we just, we just, it's a whole paradigm shift. We just change the way people think about things and, and how people can be successful. Because who wants to wake up in the morning aiming for average? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody wakes up saying, I want to be average today. People want to be successful, but don't always know how. These are people who have the potential, but need a plan. So I reversed engineered the process from the astronauts and the Nobel Prize winners and the Olympians, because they all do the same four things, and reverse engineered that process, created a blueprint, and now I go around the world teaching it, and I wrote about it in the book, The Success Factor, and here we are. And you're living it. More. Yeah, you're living I live it, too. It. Yes, I love that. I, I live it because I needed to test it out on myself to see if it works, and it works. Okay. <laughs> This is great. So what are these four things? All right. So the first thing is you have to love what you do. You are intrinsically motivated to do it. You would do it for free if you could. It's not something you have to do. It's something you want to do. And if you can find that, that will get you through all the dark times because that is your why. That is what you're doing right? So that is the intrinsic motivation. 
you are not doing it for a diploma or a promotion or a recognition or a pat on the back. That's called extrinsic motivation. Those are the people who usually fail out and burn out. But the people who are intrinsically motivated have that fire in the belly. Yeah, they have to do it. So that's that's the first one. That's I had a I had an old boss tell me once when I was trying to figure out what I was going to be when I grow up, and he said, "Just do what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life." That's right. And so I that's hear right. that from you. It's that same thing. Like you don't want to work; you just want to do what mm -hmm. you love. And if that's, that's right. the way to get paid, then that's awesome. That's right. And that's and great. you know what? Something to realize. And I, I take people when I coach them through what I call a passion audit to figure out what it is they are so passionate about. And one of the things that I have to drive home is just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're passionate about it. There's a big difference. I'm pretty good at writing government grants. I don't love writing government grants. I'm pretty good at operations. I need a break from operations, right? I did that for over 20 years. So just because you're passionate about, just because you're good at something does not mean that you love doing it. So you have to find the core of your passion. So you have to go through what's called a passion audit. And if your listeners want to hear it, they can, they can download it for free from my website. It's ruthgotian.com slash passion audit. And they can, they can get that. Now that's the first one. The second one is you have to work harder than anyone else. But you know what? If you are intrinsically motivated and you found your passion, you will work harder than anyone else because you need to see this through. You need to do it well. It's not about having to, it's wanting to. So you will work harder. And then the third one is you have to have a very strong foundation, which you're constantly reinforcing. Ask any athlete, the same thing they did in the junior high gym is the same thing that they do on the NBA courts or in the Olympic arena, same drills, granted better equipment, better sneakers, but it's exactly the same because if you have a crack in your foundation, you can't build on that. So you always have to reinforce those core skills. I don't know of a single scientist who gave up on doing research and designing experiments because they won the Nobel Prize. Not a one. They always go back right, right to it. And the last one is they're constantly learning through informal means. What does that mean? You heard of the billionaires, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Mark Cuban. They read three to eight hours a day. That's fabulous. But for those who don't like to read or don't have three to eight hours a day, what are some of the other ways that they can learn something new? Because that's really what it was about. They didn't become billionaires because they read three to eight hours a day. They became billionaires because they were open to new knowledge and learning from other people. So you could read, you could read books, you could read articles, you could read blogs, you can listen to podcasts such as this one. You can watch YouTube videos. Also, all of the extreme high achievers had not just one mentor, they had a team of mentors that they were getting perspectives from because they say, I don't have all of the answers. I need to hear from other people. 
And that is what is so critical. And that is what gets all of the extreme high achievers whenever they hit a bump, whenever they hit a challenge, whenever they hit a hurdle, they think of it very differently. It's never a question of if they will overcome that challenge. It's always a question of how. What is the strategy I hadn't yet considered? What did I not think of yet? Who do I need to talk to in order to figure out how to do this? And that's how they turn lemons into lemonade. Wow. I'm just sitting here like, this is great stuff, but it sounds like it would have to be somebody who's got some humility to be able to- humility. Yeah, which is so funny because you think of a high achiever as somebody who's not a humble person, but I think we're looking at it wrong. And, you know, I think that the reason is, and and the reason I was able to talk to all of these players, these, you know, NBA stars and, and um, astronauts and all these people, I said to them, I am not interested in what I can Google about you. I'm interested in what's below the waterline, right? What I can Google about you is the tip of the iceberg. I want to know what it took to get there. And nobody focuses on that. And that's decades of hard work decades of it. And that's why they're so humble because they remember where they came from. And it was never about the gold medal. Never. It was never about the Nobel prize. I don't know of a single scientist who started their career saying, I want to win the Nobel. And this is why they're so successful because as soon as they won that, they continued on to the next goal. And they all tell me, that the medal is a chapter in their lives, not the entire story. So I always ask the Olympians, I said, at the end of our talk, can you show me your medal? And I asked them, where do you keep your medals? Only two of them had it on display. Everyone else, it's in the safe, it's in a box under the bed, it's in the nightstand, it's in a brown paper bag, a few of them in a brown paper bag in the sock drawer. One of them, Scott Hamilton, the figure skater, gave them all away. It becomes suffocating. So it's a chapter in the lives, not the entire story. And the high achievers that I interviewed and and are in the book, The Success Factor, are some of the most humble, nicest, genuine people I've ever met. And I, I am honored to call them friends now. Yeah, I love that you can kind of dispel that myth, I think, of high achievers as being people that are just proud and uh, were handed to them or, you know, that it didn't take as much or that they are just out to get that recognition. It's really interesting when it's about the passion and you're just doing something you love, the recognition is just a part of it. It's not the end. I love that. It's a part of it. It's often the part that they dislike, Mm -hmm. but I find that all the extreme high achievers pay it forward in some way. Besides moving their field forward, they're also giving back in huge ways. They're mentoring people one-on-one or in groups. They're not just donating money and, and having their name thrown on a building. They are intimately involved in giving back in some way and leaving this world better than we found it. And that, I think, is what makes them so special. What an example to us. Yeah, right. So I was thinking when you were talking earlier about how if they get to a point of something they don't know, then they ask someone or they have these mentors or coaches or other people. 
And I think that again is, is a humility thing, but also I think I get stuck on that. I think the average human gets stuck there and you yeah. start to tell yourself, oh, it, it wasn't meant to be. And, and yeah, this is a passion, but maybe I'm just not that good, or it's just impossible, or I just don't know, or, you know, I think we talk ourselves just right out of it and give up. And I yeah. think that's the difference between these high achievers where they're like, this isn't a stopping point. This is a point where I need to get some help to keep going. That's correct. That's and so that's different. why they view failures as learning opportunities. Right. They don't see it as a failure. It's always a learning opportunity and they will always seek out guidance and they'll even seek out guidance from people who are younger than them. So I spoke to a physician scientist who is a uh, division chief of a major, um, major department at one of the Harvard hospitals. And he said he had to learn something very specific um, and a specific kind of, of technique. And he learned about it from someone who just finished college two, three years earlier. This person was, you know, 10, 20 years younger than him at the time, but that was the subject matter expert in the lab. So he had to go to that person and he didn't think twice about it. That's what he had to do. And I think that is, that shows that humility, that shows that they're open to learning from so many other people. And I think that that is what is so, so critical. And, and that's what makes them so, so humble and such high achievers is that they are always open to that. That is amazing to think that. And I just keep, my head is just thinking of all these things now about failure and how I wish we didn't really even have that word because yeah. it really, what does that really mean? It just means that way didn't work. Let's try another way or it's just another step to a direction that we're heading or something like it's not a stopping point. Failure doesn't mean give up and stop and quit. Nope. Failure it's a means learning opportunity. You go to the next step. That's all you have to do. And That's so right. I wish we could teach that earlier to our kids and to our teenagers that it's failure doesn't mean that you just stop and give up. It's about strategic risk. All of the extreme high achievers really live by one motto, which is fear not trying more than you fear failing. Fear not trying more than you fear failing, which means they are going to take these strategic risks to try something, right? Because what's the worst that'll happen? Nobody's gonna die. Yeah. Nobody's gonna die, yeah. but you have to try. And if you try and you get a little bit better and 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 learn something and they're open to trying all these new things, that's what makes them so great. I love that because I think that I'm a no regrets thinker. And so I tend to be like, well, let's just do it. Like, you know, what's yep. the worst that's going to happen? It doesn't exactly. work. Okay. Then try something else. I don't know. I it, tend to just if it doesn't like, work, do it. Don't do it again. Yeah. Right? If it doesn't work. Okay. We tried it once. Don't just stay stuck there and think that you're not enough or that you don't have any talents or that you don't have any abilities. Just keep finding the thing that you do enjoy and that you are good at. You know, what's so interesting. Um, one of the astronauts in, in the book, Dr. Peggy Whitson, um, she spent more days in space than any American astronaut of any gender. She was the first female commander of the International Space Station. She was also turned down 
from the astronaut program for 10 years. She applied and reapplied and reapplied for 10 years. Mm. And look how successful she became. She also became the chief astronaut at NASA. So that's what I mean about what is your why? What is your intrinsic motivation? What is your passion? Because if that is your passion, and remember I said you're going to work harder than anyone else, they are not giving up. They are just not giving up. And when I asked her, she said, you know, she was working at NASA during those 10 years that she applied to be an astronaut because there are other roles at NASA besides being an astronaut. And she learned so much during those 10 years. And she said, that's what made her a great astronaut. And that's what made her a great leader. That is amazing thinking because I think in my mind, that first letter of rejection would just be go sit on the couch and feel sorry for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, oh, well, I guess I don't get to do this. And, and instead, she stays working at the company that's rejecting her for another position, you know, over and over for 10 years. Like, we always want to know when's the time we're going to give up? When's the time we're going to stop trying to achieve yeah. this goal or this passion? And if it is really your passion, there's never a date set to just stop trying. Yeah. And she said she wanted, she always wanted to do this. That's amazing. What a great example. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause that would be way easier to just give up. That's great. But she didn't. And none of these people have none of them. They're all lemon to lemonade stories because they're taking the hard and the sour and not what you really want or that you can do anything with and making it better and just working with what they've got. That's right. Every single one of them. Yep. Sweetening it as they go. That's right. I mean, there's so many examples I I can give about this, right? Like, I mean, Apollo Anton Ono, the most decorated winter Olympian. He's a short track speed skater. You know, he went from being great to not great to great to not great. But the more things got tough, the more he wanted to succeed. And he worked at it and worked at it. And and trust me, he's one of the deepest thinkers I know. And talk about turning lemons into lemonade. That is just his ethos. That is just what he created. And that story, because remember, he he was fucked out at 14 and put with people who are many years his senior, and he 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 didn't get the traditional upbringing of a high school and high school prom and high school graduation, right? He didn't get all that, and he had to make the best of those circumstances, and he did, and he became the best in the world at it over and over and over again, right? And Mirabal champion on Dancing with the Stars, later right? On. Yeah, but, yeah. but before that, he was uh, yeah. multiple. Olympic medalist. Yes. Amazing. Champion. What an inspiration these stories are. Um, I think we do look at people and we don't know, like you said, kind of below the water surface. We have no idea what people have been through. And that's part of why I have this podcast is because I talk to people who have written books or started support groups or gone on to do amazing things. And it's like, that didn't just happen. They didn't just wake up one day and decide to start doing that. It is a passion. It is because of something that they've been through and they want to share that, what they've learned or what their passion is with the world, with everyone. And so I love hearing these stories of people who just basically just don't give up. 
you don't That's fail, right. you just keep going. And trust me, when you go back to school at 43 and you're older than some of your professors, you feel this, you really feel it. But you know what? It is a motivator. It is a great motivator. And you know, if you can get through that, going to school while working full time and raising your family, you can get through anything. And that is why I am so passionate and I am obsessed with success. And anybody who wants to be more successful, I am there to help them in all these different ways. So I'm excited. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, that's amazing. You're a great inspiration. And I love your energy and your excitement about success and that you think anyone can do it. And I think that's half of it, that mindset. So thank you. Thank you for sharing who you are and what you've learned so that the rest of us can benefit and be able to improve our lives as well. So thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. You're awesome. You're still here? Well, then click on the next episode to hear more of Heidi's Lemonade Stand. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Thanks. I can't wait to learn more about this. This has been this has been really really good for me because I am definitely kind of a more average thinker. So, oh, it's time really it's time to you know let open it grow. the box and just be open like, it. oh, where am I going to go now? Yeah, that's crazy. I tend to just kind of keep more simple thinking, which I don't know is that normal? Do most people just kind of think small? Maybe not the people you talk to, but well, people constrain themselves right? So it's yes. time to stop constraining yourself. Yes. See what's possible. Yeah. yeah. When you pull those, those shackles off of keeping yourself small and how yeah. you can go bigger, go more. Yeah. Always go bigger. Oh, that's amazing.